From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. A neuroradiologist specializes in abnormalities of the central and peripheral nervous system, including the brain, spine, head and neck, uh, using neuroimaging techniques. Here to talk about the role of a hospital neuroradiologist is Professor of Radiology, Dr. Sylvie Destian. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, your work focuses on the nervous system, um, but give us an idea of the types of illnesses or injuries you may be involved in um, diagnosing and treating. Well, Upstate is a level one trauma center, so we see a lot of trauma. From and car accidents? Or car any... accidents, falls, okay. um, assaults. Okay. Um, we also see brain tumors and tumors that spread to the brain, infections, and obviously stroke. Stroke, right. Um, and what sorts of um, neuroimaging techniques do you use for stroke? Uh, we use CT mainly and sometimes MR. So CT is uh, like people would say a CAT scan or computerized tomography? Correct. And that uses ionizing radiation. Okay. And then you mentioned MR. That's the um, magnetic, magnetic resonance imaging, which is a different technique. It doesn't use um, radiation. And sometimes um, they're both used together. Together, they can be complementary. Okay. Do they show you different things, or you might start with one and then need the other, or do you correct? Okay. Um, we for stroke we start with CT, um, but in some centers there is an emergency stroke uh, MR that can be done. Okay. And are these used mostly for diagnosing and telling you what's going on in the brain, or do they also um, have a role in treatment? Um, for us, it's strictly diagnosis. Okay. So you're a member, um, a neuroradiologist is a member of the stroke team. Walk us through what happens, what your role is, what you do um, if a patient shows up in the emergency department with a suspected stroke. Well, first, EMS notifies the uh, emergency department, the CT tech, and the neurologist that they are bringing in a stroke. There's a special stroke pager. So even before an ambulance gets here, correct? you guys are already sort of working on... Correct. The okay. patient is fast-tracked through the emergency department, um, quickly seen by a neurologist, it goes straight to CAT scan, and the CAT scan technologist notifies us that we are getting a stroke code. So we know when we see that name on the list, we stop everything else and read the stroke code and contact the stroke neurologist. Because um, stroke time is of the essence. Correct. Really with... Correct. And to be considered um, a comprehensive stroke center, all of these things have to be done with certain time, within certain time parameters. Okay. So the neurologist, if you come in, you see a neurologist within like 15 minutes or something? Correct. Or, okay. And the CAT scan and interpretation have to be done within 45 minutes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about stroke because um, there's different types. There's a couple of main types. Correct. So uh, a stroke is when there's some impediment to blood flow in the brain? Correct. And what are the different causes? Um, the most common are when there is a clot in one of the vessels that prevents blood from going further into that vessel. Um, 
Another type is a hemorrhagic stroke that usually occurs uh, from hypertension, high blood pressure. High blood pressure, okay. And um, occasionally people can have scattered strokes in the brain, tiny ones, from atrial fibrillation. Okay, and I've also heard of, um, they call, say, mini strokes, T TIAs? TIAs are strokes that are not completed. A patient may experience symptoms, but they resolve okay. quickly. So trans ischemic attack. Transient ischemic attack. Transient ischemic attack. Is that um, a signal that the person might have a risk for a, a major yes. stroke? It is. Yes. Okay. So when a person comes into the emergency department with um, symptoms, you don't necessarily know what it, which one they have, right? Correct. Initially. Correct. Um, but does the CT always answer that? Um, no. The CT, what we look for is hemorrhage. And if there is a hemorrhage, then the stroke code so stops because have... you can't give an anticoagulant to someone who already has a hemorrhage. Okay, so they have to be cared for in a certain way, different from if a person comes in and has a clot. Correct. Okay. If we see a clot within a large vessel, the neurolog we tell the neurologist and they notify the neurointerventionalist who will go in and either um, dissolve the clot or take it out with a basket at the end of a catheter. So the neurointerventionalist, that's um, someone who, who's... They're a surgeon? Um, they... There are three ways you can be a neurointerventionalist. You can either be a neuroradiologist who's done two extra years in neurointervention. You can also be a neurosurgeon or a neurologist that's done training in um, neurointervention. And actually, we have one of each at uh, Upstate. At Upstate, okay. And so they are able to go in without the traditional cutting Correct. Open. Uh, they use catheters and such. Correct. They put a catheter in the groin and thread it up into the brain, um, usually into the vessel that's blocked, and they can either put medication through that catheter to dissolve the clot or they can uh, pull the clot out. Okay. All right. So um, the, the size of a clot and the location in the brain where the clot is does that determine what gets done for that particular patient? Yes, yes. So are big clots worse than small clots or not necessarily? Um, if you get it out, it's not worse. Oh, you know, just probably but, uh, location matters more. But the chance than. of a deficit, a larger deficit, is always a risk with a larger clot. Okay. Well, I've got some more questions, but first, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Sylvie Destian, a professor of radiology who is a neuroradiologist. That's a specialty within radiology that focuses on the abnormalities of the central and peripheral nervous system, including the brain, spine, and head and neck using neuroimaging techniques. Are um, the majority of the patients that you care for stroke patients? I mean, we mentioned all of the other types of um, No, I would say that's just one part of what we part. do. That's one part. Okay. Well, how did you decide to specialize in neuroradiology? You have to be a radiologist first and then go? Correct. Okay. I did four years. Well, I did an internship and three years of radiology training. Now it's four years of radiology training after an internship. And then I, um, I liked patient care and I liked 
Reading films and neuroradiology at the time that I entered the field offered both. Now we do much less procedure work because of MR, um, and it's kind of morphed into diagnostic neuroradiology and interventional neuroradiology. So we do some procedures, but the the interventional neuroradiologists do most of them. Okay. Well, the patients that are um, having a stroke um, probably have different levels of the ability to communicate um, with the providers that are taking care of them. Yeah, sometimes they just have a facial droop or weakness on one side. Sometimes they're unable to speak, uh, but they can understand. And sometimes they can understand, but can't, uh, can't verbalize or yeah. So, what do you have like a standard thing that you say to someone that you're caring for who's got a possible stroke? Well, I don't see the patient. Oh. I just see the scan. Okay. Um, the, the neurologist evaluates the patient. Is the one at the bedside. Yeah. Okay, so you're just looking at the scan and, and communicating with the neurologist then. Correct. Okay. But you can you tell from the scan what you predict is going to be like sort of the outcome for this patient based on what the scan reveals? No, because really? even treatment, different treatments carry different risks, and you really don't know. I mean, if you see a large hemorrhagic stroke, uh, the outcome you know is not, not going to be good. Right. Yeah. But some of the others... Some really of the can. others, people walk out with no deficit or minimal deficit, and that's what you want. You treat these people to prevent the stroke from completing or getting larger. Okay. Neat. Well, and um, as I understand it, I mean, this can happen. This is a 24-hour-a-day, obviously, operation at the hospital, and so you could be called in or summoned to look at these films um, quickly at any time. That's right. So, um, okay, let's talk about some of the risk factors for stroke. What are some of the things that could predict that a person might be at risk for stroke? Well, there are multiple risk factors, but the most important is high blood pressure. And all of the other risk factors, with the exception of diabetes, um, which is also a, a risk factor, generally cause high blood pressure. Smoking, uh, recreational drugs such as cocaine and amphetamines can raise your blood pressure tremendously. Um, Obesity, high cholesterol, all of these things will contribute to the risk of having a stroke. So a lot of those like unhealthy lifestyle types of things. Correct. Okay. So uh, how would a person know that they're having a stroke or know that their loved one is having a stroke? What are some of the signs and symptoms to be aware of? Sometimes it's just uh, drooping on one side of the face or people can experience weakness on one side of the body or in a limb. Um, They can experience visual changes. Their speech may be slurred or garbled. They may experience balance problems or they may be generally disoriented. So some of those things or all of those things might be happening. Correct. So if that, if you do notice some of those things, what, what should a person do? Um, if you notice it or someone you're with notices it, the most important thing is to call 911 immediately because quick intervention leads to a better outcome. And like you were saying, you call 911, the ambulance gets there, arrives. They're already in communication with the hospital. Correct. Even before you get there. 
Correct. Jumping in the car and driving the person isn't the thing to do. No, because EMS can do things in the ambulance to help. So they might start an intravenous line? They might start an intravenous line. They might give the patient oxygen. Um, Things like that can help already sort of start treating what you're going to see. Well, interesting. Well, I appreciate you being here and talking about this. My guest has been Professor of Radiology, Dr. Sylvie Destian. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.